Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey, After Buzzers, welcome to the Sharp Objects After Show. We are talking about episode four, Ripe, and this episode was all about something called Calhoun Day, a whole bunch of lost spiders and some really creepy crime scenes. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Guys, we are getting down with some Tupac. I have no idea why this song was in this episode, but I love it. Uh, welcome to the Sharp Objects After Show. As always, I am Leslie Powers, joined by my lovely co-host, ladies. Hi, I'm Carolina Vanetti. Hey, everyone. I'm Heather Geisler. And we are going to dive into the episode in just a few minutes, but also make sure you stay tuned to the end. We have a lovely special segment called The Feminist Chronicles, and we are going to highlight Jessica Mitford today. And also, we have some news and gossip about the sexy Chris Messina talking about how his character, not such a good cop after all. And also some behind the scenes with Emma, um, a.k.a. in real life, Eliza Scanlon. So, girls, I want to jump right into some initial thoughts. We are halfway through on episode four things are getting real weird yeah (laughs) carolina what did you think of episode four ripe i really liked this episode because it shed a light on a lot of issues that they had been kind of skating around and it kind of solidified my point of view on a few things Mm. and so you're right (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, well, I, I think that it's an episode that I need to watch multiple times because it was so well pieced together. And also, yeah. I saw a lot more parallels between Adora and Camille. Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. Heather, yeah, what you think? I liked, I liked watching uh, first Camille and Detective Willis. Oh, They're yeah. doing their little thing now, which is great. And also yes. Adora and Chief Vickery. I wasn't really expecting to see more of their relationship, so that was yeah. that was interesting to me. It was so. really cool. Yeah. Um, and if you guys are listening on iTunes, make sure you go and give us an awesome rating. Um, and if you are on the YouTube, uh, make sure that you live chat us or comment. We love reading them, and I know Heather's going to give some shout-outs from yes. last week, too, because we had some really awesome insight. And I have a lot of questions, so I hope that you guys um, out there watching and listening have answers for me, because this is like such a fast-paced show. That it's like you blink and you miss like the oh, most yeah. important thing. Um, I really liked this episode. I I think there was less flashbacks, which I liked because I liked being kind of in the present with everybody. And I think Chief Vickery had a lot in this episode, and he's becoming a very interesting character. So I want to kick it off with him. Um, did you love how we started with him like eating his bacon and like his wife cooks him this like yeah. elaborate southern <laughs> breakfast? I definitely noticed that. Yeah, that he just had. A bite of eggs and left the rest. It just really, like, solidifies that the town is living in another century. Oh, yeah. They really are. They haven't moved forward. Because I was like, you're going to have clogged arteries eating that bacon every... But I guess it's a hog farming town, so that makes sense that... Yeah. Well, I just meant it as, like, your wife is, like, sitting home and, like, you're going off to work and she's a stay-at-home wife. She's a professional wife. And she just cooks and cleans and expects you to be at home at a certain time and then you choose yeah. to not tell her things when you go visit other women. Well, also, we, we didn't know anything about his personal life oh, up absolutely. until this yeah. point, so I was actually shocked that we started that way, 
and yeah. saw, you know, that he has this wife and she gets him up in the morning. <laughs> she gets him up, she makes him breakfast, breakfast and so. packs his lunch. It's yeah. still like the Mad Men it. era that they're living in. Yeah. It's very interesting to me. Because small yeah, towns like this do really exist. So it's an interesting, like, culture study as well as no, we're watching totally. it. And the South, the whole Southern aspect to it. But I liked the whole opening was you saw a glimpse in everybody's morning. Yeah. Like, you saw that Camille woke up in, like, a ditch, basically. Um, <laughs> That's, that's not right. new. Typical. Yeah. Um, you see Detective Willis wake up and be like, oh, peering out the window and saying, oh, I'm still in Wind Gap. Like, oh, I didn't just dream that I'm still in this, you know, tiny town, I guess. Um, so, yeah, Chief Vickery... Um, definitely had a lot more play, and he and Detective Willis are still not really getting along, but mm-hmm. it seemed like they kind of early on came to like a, a little bit of a relationship where Detective Willis is like, I'm going to go meet with Camille. Whatever she tells me, I'll tell you. And then yeah. vice versa, I want you to start to tell me things. So do you, mm-hmm. do you guys think that Chief Vickery is going to actually start telling Detective Willis anything no. that he knows? I don't think Chief Vickery will find anything out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so He's- far, he doesn't seem... To know anything. He's being yeah. steamrolled by the women in this town. And <laughs> I, he has such a weird relationship with Adora. Yeah. But I really feel like he's the most kind of useless out of all of them as far as like getting this case off the ground is going. Do you think he's scared of what he's going to find? Yeah. That's why he's not asking the questions? I mean, that's what I think. That he's no, but I think even if know. he asked the questions, nobody would answer him. That's true. Because if Adora has the cojones to sit there and be like, I have the power to remove you from your job, yeah. That what kind of power does he have as chief? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It tells me yeah. that there's other people that are actually running the social circle behind his back, and he's just there as a figurehead. Well, look, Adora yeah. got right? John Keane fired from his job, which just yes. shows her exertion we of power. We'll What's also her company, that. isn't it? The hot, the the major hog farm is theirs, right? It well, the, Preaker Farms, farm. yeah, yeah, the farms. farms. Okay, got it. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get to John yeah. Keane, but yeah, as far as this weird relationship that he has with Adora, it kind mm-hmm. of comes into play. When he comes over and then Alan answers the door, Adora's yeah. husband, and he is not happy. Mm-mm. So clearly Mm-mm. he's like, why do you like talking to this man? Or why are you going to wake up from this nap? You said you you need to rest. Mm-hmm. And yet the second j- the chief comes to the door, you're like, let me put myself together. So I didn't think, though, that Alan was going to let him in at all. It yeah. was Emma who was like, mom, you know, yeah. <laughs> the chief is here. It's so. like a Southern thing to do, right? You have to like let them in and offer them a drink. But even yeah. Alan was like your usual drink. Like he must come right. over all the yeah. time. So I don't actually think that their relationship is that weird. It seems very, they're very familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think like, for instance, when you're really good friends or you known somebody for such a long time, you kind of have that unspoken kind yeah. of bond and I that's what I get from them and it's flirty and maybe mm-hmm. you know crossing over some boundaries in that way you know especially it shows like Alan doesn't like it but yeah. I, I wouldn't call it weird yet well I wonder I if they're like weird. keeping each other's secrets like they've been in the yeah. town so long I wonder yeah. if it's like you scratch my back mm-hmm. I won't get you fired from your job yeah what I found interesting was that I feel like a big part of her husband's issue with it is that I feel like he smells that something is off. You know when your gut instinct tells you something's wrong? Totally. And that whole scene that they had at the end after the chief had left, it really solidified to me that I feel that she's mm-hmm. had an affair with him. And mm-hmm. that at least that's, an emotional one. 
That's what I get. That it's like he's I like, think you the can whole kit him. and caboodle. Uh, yeah. At some point after her daughter died, she went through it, and I feel mm-hmm. that this guy was there for her. Yeah, and it happened, and it might have been a one-time thing, but now there's this weird power struggle between them, where he says, "I appreciate that you're a straight shooter, but do you?" Yeah. Do you, I don't think he does. Not maybe really. his wife's not though, because we just said his wife is like the typical Southern wife, and she just cooks for him. And like maybe Adora challenges him a little bit, and yeah. in this small town, he doesn't get talked mm-hmm. to that way very often. Mm-hmm. But because she clearly runs the town in a very social, economic way as well, that she can, I guess, say these things to him, and he's not mm-hmm. emasculated. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was totally emasculated. I don't know, but it's like he likes yeah, it. He I don't know. It. I feel like he likes it. Like he likes that someone's yeah. actually like being in a, like having an adult conversation with him. Kind of, but he also thinks that she's yeah. a liar because he went behind her back to try and find out more about Camille. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we'll, we're going to get to that in two seconds. So um, he says something about this Calhoun day. So I think this is hilarious, and we'll talk more about Emma's play with this as well. But. Calhoun Day, apparently. I can't really figure out what this day was. I know. I don't know, because it seems like Emma has an interpretation of what this is, but it seems like just kind of a town festival that celebrates maybe somebody who was prominent in the town with the last name Calhoun, and and that's, you know, what the town has to look forward to every year, maybe. It's like a little Shakespeare in the Park type festival. I don't know. But Uh, he he doesn't revisionist history? I just Googled... Who is Calhoun? Yeah. The first person that comes out up is John C. Calhoun, who was an American statesman and political theorist from South Carolina, seventh vice president of the United States Mm. in 1825. Mm. Who knows? He might have some... Something to do with it. Something to do with the town. But it seems like Chief Vickery does not want this day to happen, and Detective Willis comments on it, too, because it's like, everybody from the town's going to be there, and people are starting to get scared, and there's all this talk going on, so is something going to happen? Is like... Somebody I think there's just a somebody? lot of emotions running high, so he's concerned yeah. for putting that many grieving and angry people together with, like, unsaid things that they've been talking about behind yeah. closed doors and at, like, private luncheons, and he just feels like it could get yeah. ugly. But speaking of Calhoun Day, there was an excellently excellently written piece of dialogue that I wrote it down when Emma's talking to Mr. Lacey, and she says, my mama says all history's written by men, so of course they're going to make themselves look good. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I thought that was very, very well written. I was like, yeah. well, I see you writers sliding yes. that in there. Was that in the book? Was that line in the book as well? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Heather didn't re- want to reread. Yeah, she I said I asked her last week if she remembered anything. Yeah, well, also, yeah, the one specific line that would be hard to... Pinpoint, yeah. but well, you know, sometimes we you read a book, and so. certain books, like certain lines, just really stick with you, yeah. and you remember them. Mm-hmm. No, that was a great line. It I was loved great. That. So, so kudos to the writers and to yes. the author if yeah. it was originally in the book. I thought it was just so well placed. Yeah, with yeah. her standing up for herself, even though she's making it up. I was like, you know what, girl, I'll give you credit. You yeah. run with yeah. it. You do. That. We, we you have do a you, prediction Anna. in the live chat. Ooh, Thank you for everybody yes. who's live chatting right now. It is on Thanks. fire. So, Boogie Boo or Bougie Boo, maybe? (laughs) Either way. way, Uh, She says, well, this episode seemed like a transition episode for Calhoun Day because our live chat Mm -hmm. is kind of saying that this episode was kind of slow. Yes. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. It's setting it up. It is setting it up for some big stuff to happen. Absolutely. So Chief Vickery also says, and we saw this in the preview last week, he says to Adora, one of your daughters is dangerous and one of your daughters is in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could go either way. I honestly thought that Emma's the dangerous one. Oh, yeah, she's crazy. Camille's the one in danger. She's crazy. They could both be in danger. 
Or so, they could both be dangerous. Also, Chief Vickery <laughs> is, you know, follows John Keene at the end. I just mm-hmm. want to finish up with him because that was a little creepy to me. Like, you kind of see him light a cigarette and, like, follow John Keene. And so it's obvious that he's trying to do his own his own investigating as much as possible. But I really don't know that he's going to share it with Detective Willis, whatever mm. he finds. No, I don't think I don't he think will. He's and gonna... he's kind of just, like, grasping at, like, who is the suspect. Well, he has John Keene and Bob Nash, but that's really all he has. To yeah, he doesn't have much else the, to as go far on. As we know. The biggest thing that, like is mystifying is that he's the quote-unquote chief, but he's the furthest in the dark. Oh, Everyone knows everything that they're not telling him. I think he wants to be, though. I think Mm -hmm. he just, like, does not want Mm -hmm. this town to be, you know, talked about in this way, I suppose, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. They want to keep it in their little gates. This is also why he has the power struggle with the detective, because he's upset that the detective knows more than him, and he can't even get his own people to tell him what's going on. Oh, yeah. But that's why he goes, that's a good segue, because he goes to Jackie, played by Elizabeth Perkins, who I love, Mm -hmm. um, and she, you know, is kind of our comic relief in this episode, and um, he goes to her and he says, what is Adora not telling me about the Preaker girl? And we don't know who he means. Does he mean Emma? Does he mean Camille? Like, what is Adora not telling me? I, my first thought was definitely Camille. Camille. Like, yeah. what's Adora not letting in about right. Camille? Right. Like, what happened all those years ago? Yeah. Because we still don't know. No, we still don't know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And so also, I want to just touch on the whole Alan and Adora relationship a little further, because a lot of things I feel like sparked for Alan with this mm-hmm. Chief Vickery relationship yeah. with Adora. And um, I think that Alan was holding so much in. That, at, you know, towards the end, he says to Adora, like, you like to forget that Marion was my daughter, too, and that, yeah. I, that I wasn't allowed to be sad or, like, you just don't mm-hmm. even ask. I didn't know if we were going to do a section specifically for her husband, so I was holding this on to that. This is it. Okay, so after that conversation, it actually really solidified a point of view that I've kind of been having in the back of my head. I'll save it for predictions. Okay. But I feel like the husband might be the silent sleeper in this show. Oh, I know. He's so good. He's got so... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but so good as, as an actor. He's, yeah, as an yeah actor. he's a very good actor. But I mean, uh, the silent sleeper in the sense that like he's a major power player. Mm-hmm. And he's been very silent, and nobody's looking at him. Nobody's talking mm-hmm. to him. How yeah. does he not have a reaction to his daughter? He doesn't yeah. have a reaction to Camille. He doesn't have a reaction. Like, he's so quiet. This was the most emotion we've seen True. burst out of him. And... Remember, the cases that we're watching are about power. Yeah. Where does this man have power? Not in his home. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. not not at all. Adora has yeah. all the power. Yeah. And speaking of other things that have power, TV has a lot of power. <laughs> and Carolina is going to tell us a little bit more about other shows you can watch here at AfterBuzz. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in every week. So, hey, AfterBuzzers, our network produces after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows. From dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there's no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. So we're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. And by subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button for now, for this channel, and make sure you check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. And let us know you did so in the comments so that we can thank you here on the air. And for now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV Talk. Woo! Yes, thanks, guys. Is there anything in the live chat right now, Heather, you want to give anyone a shout? Uh, Yeah, so... 
Well, they were discussing what uh, we didn't see what happened with Camille yet. So yes. they were t- they're okay. We're they're about ta- to they're get talking into that. about that a little bit. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and uh, Aaliyah Jordan says that Alan was such a mouse in the book, and it's something that wasn't really in the book. Interesting outbursts. Yeah. Well, I like that they brought it up because I yeah. I think he's a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's get into Camille because she is uh, you know our protagonist after all. Um, so Camille goes to this, um, well, first of all, she's having these flashbacks of her, like, 15th or 16th birthday. I couldn't read her cake. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting. And, and live chat, please answer this for me. So Alan is not Camille's dad. He's only Marion's dad. Because it, it seemed like he was there for her, like, 15th, 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. But then that confuses me because I thought Camille was younger than Marion. No, she was older. Yeah. She was older. older. Okay. Yeah. But I can't figure out if Alan is her dad or not. That's interesting because I, I'm not sure why I thought this, but I, I never thought Alan was her dad. Me either, but then it's like he was there for her birthday and they never talk about yeah. her. Because in the yeah. first episode, it's like, Camille's here and Alan's like, who? <laughs> so it's like he, he didn't, I think he would notice mm-hmm. if it was. Alan is her stepdad. Stepdad, okay, mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So she has these flashbacks to her birthday, and it seems like it, her birthday came maybe really closely after Marion died, because her mom just seemed to not want to have anything to she do. She looks so sad. Yeah, to do with, like, celebrating her daughter's birthday. So I thought that was, um, I wonder if we're going to come back to that, because she's in her cheerleading uniform, and we see her again yeah. in her cheerleading uniform out in the woods with these younger boys. Um, I want to burn that uniform after the story that she was telling the detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she goes first to the, to lunch with these ladies, with Jackie, these older ladies in town that seem happy to see her, but Adora doesn't go because she cut her hand on the rosebud and <laughs> says she's healing. And I love this line. She said, um, Camille goes, it's barely a scratch. And Adora goes, well, to you, maybe. And then she's like, and give them what they want, a chance to talk about me when I'm not there, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because that's such, I feel like, a Southern lady thing is that the gossip is just flying behind she people's knows backs. She going to go down. Yeah. And then she says, oh, by the way, in Wind Gap, recyclables go out on Wednesday. Cause she knows <laughs> that she's, like, jingling around all these freaking vodka bottles. <laughs> so funny. So I miss yeah. that. What a good catch. Yeah. My husband did, too. He's like, God, I'm so stupid. <laughs> He's like, I didn't catch it. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to, like, li- listen so hard. Um, but Camille goes to lunch with these ladies and kind of wants to pick their brains. Like, what do they think is floating around town about yeah. these murders. Once again, everyone thinks it's John Keane or Bob Nash. But even these ladies were talking about John Keane like he was going to be their pool boy and they they think he's so no. cute. I thought that was interesting that they only think it's one or two. Like there was no other suggestion of like what's going on. Yeah. Like they didn't want to like think it was maybe somebody that they knew a little closer than like oh Bob Nash is kind of weird and John Keane's kind of weird so they must be one of them. Yeah, I think it just goes to show the closed-mindedness of... Of the, the of, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the power like, of gossip. There's no yes. other... Yeah, option. So much gossip. Well, then we, we get to the good stuff with Camille, which is her in Detective Willis. Mm-hmm. And she says, you agreed to say on the record an answer to three questions if I take you to the crime scenes of mm-hmm. previous crimes that have happened in the town back in mm-hmm. the day because he thinks maybe there's a connection between the current murders and the old murders. So her first question was, why did you become a cop? 
And I thought his answer was so cute. And he like didn't like good. animals being tortured. Yeah. So he's like, I want to find that person. Do you want to marry him even more now, Carolina? After that answer, he's so cute. <laughs> I don't think I ever said I wanted to marry. No, him. but you think he's cute. Well, it, it, okay. So as we, going, as all. going back to yes. the quote about him, he was interested in catching the animals that hurt the other animals. To me, it's just like I mean, he's still catching animals. Like that's what he's doing. Yeah. That's how he sees his job. Like yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Well, obviously, somebody who's going to pull out teeth of a yeah. young girl is like a monster. Oh, mm-hmm. At least they answered the question that the girls were dead because I was literally having panic attacks over like those girls still being alive and oh. having all their mm-hmm. teeth pulled out. So at least they were Horrible. dead. Yes. Um, but I thought that it it shone a lot of light into Camille's character. Mm-hmm. This episode definitely was like I have to watch it again so I can come back with more opinions on it because this was a big one information wise and I think it's going to set us it's setting us up for huge payoff Um, but it really makes you understand Camille even more with the cutting and all of her self harm Camille has been a victim of like heinous physical and emotional crimes her mother is like an emotional Nazi on her feelings Oh, absolutely! she treats her as if she's a second class citizen who isn't entitled to be loved Mm -hmm. because she wasn't lovely enough whatever the heck that's supposed to mean she wasn't sweet Adora said yeah she was never sweet and then you get this bit of information from her about how the football team would take out a different cheerleader every week in the woods and have their way with her Mm. and she almost wears it as a badge of honor well if it was five guys with one like it would be the opposite they'd have a statue erected but with women it's different I'm like, no, honey, I think that you have, like, turned this around and kind of, like, worn it like a badge of honor, but never dealt with the feelings of being taken advantage of physically on top of being emotionally abused at home by people that told you they didn't love you because a bunch of people dragging you out into the woods and having their way with you, that's that's not emotionally or physically satisfying. That's abusive. So she had it on both fronts on top of whatever happened to her sister. And it honestly made me start to question how long the drive is from St. Louis to this town. <laughs> it said 90 miles when she, mm-hmm. last episode. So yeah, mm-hmm. so, she's, so she's showing him these crime scenes and she talks about the football players, um, not like it's a crime, more like, oh, that's just what happens on a, you know, it's the football team. But yeah, mm-hmm. if, if it was a guy, you know, if it was reversed, it would be a totally different story. But she also talks about this heinous crime of these like two lesbian girls who got murdered and then the daughter of one of them ended up becoming what she said a slut because she wanted to prove she wasn't a lesbian yeah and i want to i want to give a shout out to the live chat uh bex mon just joined us and she said that she thought that was a really odd story yes it was crazy because i was like okay i was trying to follow it i'm like okay so who does camille know and it's the daughter of the victim Mm -hmm. who spent and it said women in uh wind gap get labeled so yeah. you're either labeled as a slut or a lesbian. If you don't conform or, to the rules of engagement. Yes, mm-hmm. then you're labeled as something. Um, and then detective... Wait, it's, that, it's like that saying, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't go along with it or you don't wear the dresses the way Emma does, you know. And then Detective Willis talks about the teeth pulling and he says that's a power play to somebody yeah. who feels powerless. So that's interesting mm-hmm. you said Alan feels powerless because he goes right into it's that very powerless. mold. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because they want to like... And nobody's looking at him. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody's talking about him. And then we go into the creepy, you know, hunting, which I found as a hunting shed with all the bondage porn in it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I felt like, yeah, I felt like Camille was like, 
having all these conflicting feelings about yeah. being there. And Detective Willis is like, oh, I think this is where the the murderer like yeah. stayed and hunted these girls because apparently Ann Nash and Natalie Keene used to play in there. Which is weird. But so did Emma, which so is what Am- makes yep. it even yeah. creepier. Yeah. But Camille, when she was younger, too, obviously. Also. Which is so crazy. But Wait, that turned her on, I guess. This I think, is yeah, crazy it definitely to me. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me, though. Like, as a kid, if I went into a shed like that, I would have been like, and I'm going to back up now and go tell someone. I'm going to go run. Yeah. This is really terrifying. Fast, but it was not, apparently, yeah, to these young girls. Up. But it, it turned on, like, Camille on enough to, like, Unzip her pants and stick Detective Willis's hand down there. Which After she so, wouldn't let him kiss her, it was so interesting. Because it's not about the romance. No, like, that was power. Like, no, the, but that was a power thing to her. To, well, to her, I don't think. I, I think there there is more power in a kiss than just like letting somebody more feeling. you know touch her. Because, I mean, yeah. we've seen she's touched herself in other episodes. Like, yeah, you know, there's some kind of. Maybe it's um, the only place there's not cuts. I wonder. Is he, I don't know. I thought she was gonna show him, her or like cuts. have him feel it, or that's something. What I, that's yeah. what I thought was gonna happen. I was like, oh, could have been one or the other. I said they got down and dirty. That's <laughs> yes, what I said they in my did. notes. When they got they, down and dirty. When they cut to that section and she did that, my initial thought was, this is about power to her. She's reveling in the fact that he wants her, but she's not going to go about it. In a way where you develop a relationship, she just wanted to take the power because that's a yeah. one-sided like pleasure train. Like you want me, that's fine. You can this take is what me, you're gonna and do. this is what you're going to. But get. I also think it's maybe from a young age she was touching herself in that way to that bondage porn, and yeah. like this is just like triggers her mm-hmm. wanting to be touched in that way. Because yeah. then when they get back to her house, they start making out. So. Mm-hmm. And that was seemed really personal. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led to her going inside after that and Adora saying to her, you, growing up, you made me feel like a fool. You made me feel like a, a child, child. Yeah. which I thought was interesting because she challenged her. And then she said, she leaned in and I thought she was going to say something nicer because Camille was kind of mm-hmm. crying. And then she's mm-hmm. like, you smell ripe. Yeah. Which was like, <laughs> God, that's mean. But she yeah. probably does. I mean, she, she probably does smell really bad. Wow. <laughs> I thought she was calling her right because she smelled drunk because she'd been drinking well, the yeah, whole day. Like, a, like she smelled bad, like mm-hmm. like she's reeking of alcohol or that she slept I, in the I was, <laughs> I was just thinking of it metaphorically and how she's just passed her time. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was that as Adora was bringing things up to Camille, Camille was like, no, Mama, that wasn't. And then Adora cut her off. But it almost makes me wonder if Adora remembers bad things that Marion did and has taken all the bad things and put them on top of Camille and just pretended that Marion was a saint. I wonder that, too, because Camille's like, no, Mama, like, that's Mm -hmm. not how it happened. And I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. yeah, was it Marion? Was it Marion? You remember. You remember what you, yeah, what you want to. You recreate a story to play out how you want it to. Yeah, you know, and, and you, you embellish. And, and you want Emma to be like yeah. that. You want her to be <clears throat> as good as you think Marion was. And then they, her and Adora dancing to Tupac, like, that was so... <laughs> that really took me back. I was like, is she hearing what this is right now, or does like, she just well, not care? I, I she's so uptight. Mom, so um, I'm sure so, she still loves her. It's, yeah, I'm sure. It's so strange. Um, so before we wrap up this storyline, I just want to make a note of the other two questions she asked Detective Willis was, did Bob Nash's tread match the tread that they were looking mm-hmm. for? Because um, he scraped mud off the tires, and he said no. So maybe that helps that Bob Nash... But I not, also thought it was interesting he said no, and you already know it didn't. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And then she kept asking, what about John Keene? And um, Detective Willis said, I think he is a little too broken up about it to be the killer. Or maybe it's an act. Do you know it's actually his girlfriend that gives me the creeps? Like, what was that scene where, where she was, like, scrubbing herself with bleach? Well, that's what yeah. we're we're um, we're going to dive into John Keane right now because he was a big character too in this mm-hmm. episode where he gets fired from the Preaker Farms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. Adora's doing or somebody yeah. up top, um, and then yes, and then we see him with his girlfriend, and she's like trying to give him a hand job, and it's like, I wrote down this is the most unenthusiastic yes. hand job I've <laughs> ever seen. <It's> so <laughs> awkward. And then she, he's like, "I gotta go," or "I gotta go out for a bit." And then I, did she find blood on the carpet? That's what I, I was. Wondering. See what it was. I thought it was a flashback. I thought that she was having a flashback to blood on the carpet, and that's why she started Maybe. maniacally but, cleaning her hands with bleach. And it made me wonder if she has a connection to the killer because she's so obsessed with John Keane and with keeping him there, and he. When he spoke to Camille in the previous episodes, he mentioned how he wanted to get out of this town. And he had been working for him and his sister to get out of this town. So I wonder if his girlfriend is like a psycho and she she wanted to keep him there. She was in the same outfit, though, so I don't think it was a flashback. I I just think it was... She was cleaning the stain up with the bleach yeah. and then washing her hands. Yeah, live chatter. Amy Motorhouse, thanks for Amy, joining us. What's up, Amy? She says blood stain under the brother's bed. Yeah. So, so what's up with that? That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So then John Keane, you know, goes to censors and oh, go I ahead. had I had a quick thought about that. So yeah. she goes to clean it up with bleach and everything, and I think she's like cleaning herself vigorously because she maybe thinks that John did it, and she's helping. and she's like, I gotta, I gotta cover it up. That's for a him. good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So he goes, hmm. he leaves, and he goes to the baseball field where Chief Vickery is looking at, you know, is watching him essentially, and then he goes back to his his childhood or his home where um, Natalie's room is, and he brings a spider back because he noticed that the spider was missing that Camille mm-hmm. took, and I thought that was so creepy. I'm like, stop with the spider. How is anybody sleeping in that house with a giant spider the size of like a baby? Yeah, like missing. missing. Yeah. Like, is it missing? Like, we know Camille put that outside, but they don't know yeah. that. I, I would not have to outside, sleep inside, just around. There's a lot of spiders. Yeah, in the South especially. <laughs> there's, there's a, a lot, lot of spiders. spiders. <laughs> so after that, he goes to the bar, the censor's bar that everybody seems to meet at in the town, and he, and he sees Camille. And so they start talking, and I thought, I loved this part where he talks about, you know, your mom got me fired today. And I don't worry. I like. I really like pigs. I think that they're smarter. They're smart, and they. That's why they crap so much. Is because they know what's coming. They know mm-hmm. they're going to get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And I thought. I was like, what does this mean? Is this like a, a weird like right. metaphor for something yeah. else? Um, I just thought it was a PSA for being vegan. Yeah, it was like, don't kill pigs. Don't eat meat. And then he starts saying that, you know, please don't tell anybody this. I've never told anybody this before. But when we were in Philly before we moved here, Natalie, my sister, who was just murdered, apparently got in a fight with a girl for stealing her pencil and then stabbed her in the eye. I feel like that's a huge excessive reaction. I was glad they didn't show a flashback of that. Because I was waiting for it. Right here. Give it low, girls. Yes. I was waiting for Oh, so gross. So then obviously Camille's wheels are turning and then he starts talking about how Anne wasn't such a goody two-shoes necessarily and that Natalie and Anne fought all the time and Emma was the kind of the 
the tiebreaker who would yeah. keep them from killing each other, like fighting like friends, uh-huh. I guess. So then you know that Emma and, and Anne and Natalie all played in that yeah. shed together. There's a lot more that has to come yeah. out. Emma's the instigator. So, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so Camille's firing on all cylinders about Emma, which is... Mm-hmm. Emma's the instigator for all bad things. Like, we find out that she's in the middle of these two girls, and they're both dead. Uh, yeah. She had this weird hot for teacher oh, moment yeah, in moment. the beginning, mm-hmm. which I thought... I was like... Or, yeah. oh. When she walked out, a part of me was like, oh my god. Is she banging the teacher? Are That's we about to find this out? Mm-hmm. And yeah. she still mm-hmm. might be. We might still not see that revelation until yeah. down the road. Yeah, he was a small part. I wonder if he's going to come back, her teacher, because she had that whole... Well, I guess they do the play. Yeah, they next, do this. So maybe he will Maybe be. on Calhoun Day. They do a Calhoun Day play where her, she like, grabs Calhoun his day. hand all creepy. Yeah. So that brings us to the very end of the show when we have a ton of flashes and you see like mm-hmm. a, a gun in front of Alan... And he's listening to his music, and then you see Camille going to try to find Emma because she's starting to put all these things together that Emma must have had something to do with it or knows more than she's letting on. And then we also see in the beginning of the episode there was like a BB gun hole in the stop sign that Chief Vickery found. Yeah. And then you see in the very end that it was these boys that Emma was hanging out with. And they're like firing it off. And they're firing it off. So it's like all these teens are just running amok in this town. And I feel like they all know more than their parental supervision. They're running amok. They (laughs) are. BB guns and everything. So... Um, ladies, I want to move on to our special segment, so we have time for it. And yes, then in predictions, absolutely. maybe we can get some final thoughts as well. So um, let's do a little Feminist Chronicles. I think we have... I love it. That's so great. It's a classic newsboys from the it. early 20s. <laughs> um, so our feature today is Jessica Mitford. If you're joining us on YouTube, you'll see a black and white photograph of her. She actually lived a very illustrious life. She is actually British aristocracy, and she's one of the five Reedsford daughters. Um, so she moved here and later on would go on to publish Daughters and Rebels in 1960, detailing how she grew up. Uh, two of her sisters ended up becoming, like, Nazi sympathizers. One of her oh. other sisters went on to, like, marry up in the whole world of British aristocracy. Mm-hmm. And she moved to the United States and became a citizen and actually was a very outspoken political activist. Um, so she published in 1963 The American Way of Death, where she harshly criticized the funeral industry. And in her findings, she talked about how they were taking advantage of grieving people for burying their loved ones. Uh, the book was so well-researched that it actually led to congressional hearings and caused funeral wow. reform. Uh, yeah. very six feet under. I love that. And yeah, then in 1973, she published a harsh critique of the American prison system, which a lot of people um, have really come to light. A lot of things have come to light because of the mm-hmm. documentary, The 13th Amendment, that a lot of people have watched on Netflix. But Jessica was on this back in the early 70s. And you can read it. It's titled Kind and Unusual Punishment. Um, and she was also really good friends with Maya Angelou, and she went on to testify at a hearing in front of Senator Edward Kennedy about drug experiments taking place on California prisoners. Her headline Ooh. was Cheaper Than Chimpanzees, and the article <laughs> the article wow. took it to court. This woman really affected a lot of change in this country. Nice. She published dozens of, uh, like, uh, just hundreds of articles, dozens of essays, and many books and memoirs. You can actually find them. She was very well read and spoken. And later on in her career, she was actually a professor at Stan 
at San Jose State University. This woman has done a lot. Yeah. Good yeah. for her. Yeah, she's very Thank you, Jessica interesting. Mitford. Very interesting. She oh, brought a lot you. of issues to light that were very happening cool. in this country, and there was actually a lot of reform that took place because of her. Go women. Yeah. Woo. And on a lighter note, I guess, or just yeah. a different note. Not a lighter um, note. Not a lighter <laughs> note. Just a different note. Um, we have some news about our lovely Detective Willis. Mm-hmm. After Buzz yeah. TV News. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Are we getting a Jeopardy countdown? Chris Messina talked to the Hollywood Reporter. So Camille has been getting a lot of flack about not being good at her job. But Chris Messina is kind of sticking up for her by way of saying that his character is actually the bad one. He is not doing his job. He says he's making mistakes. Like, you're not supposed to be cozying up with a reporter and sharing this kind of information. I mean, I think it's kind of 101. But he can't help himself. That yeah. I find interesting. Because it's Amy Adams and she's a babe and yeah, that's just what happens. Definitely. And <laughs> yeah, and uh in, in regards to Camille, they're like, she doesn't take notes. She just <laughs> she just moses she around. She just town. remembers everything, right? With <laughs> all that true. alcohol. Uh, but anyways, that was a that was a good article. You should check that out on the Hollywood Reporter. And to be fair, she could be walking around with like voice notes on her iPhone the whole time. Yeah, that is true. That is very that true. Is true. Uh, and on Twitter we have the lovely Eliza Scanlon and and she posted a fun behind-the-scenes photo of her, which probably was a day of filming um, on her roller skates. And <laughs> Trying not to she fall. She looks pretty tired. Oh, but that's kind of fun. And obviously, she's doing an awesome job yes. in this show. So. Yes. Eliza, come on the show. Yes. We would love to chat with that's you. a little bit of our... Um, News and, news and gossip. And I just want to give a quick shout out to a new subscriber. Amanda Stone commented last week on our episode saying, okay, I hit that subscribe button again. I definitely always watch regardless yeah. if I was subscribed. But thank you, ladies, for your thoughtful input. So thank you thank so much, you. Amanda. Thank That's you, Amanda. Lovely. Yes. Thank you for watching. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to get into some predictions for next week going yes. into episode five. And now, you're after Buzz TV. All right, girls. What what do we think is going to go down in Wind Gap in episode five, Miss Carolina? I really love that creepy music. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like it's Halloween. I exactly. Um, I think Calhoun Day is going to be a hot mess yeah. in the sense that we are going to see yes. a lot of unfettered emotions because everyone has just had everything so close to their chest. Uh, but long game prediction, mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that perhaps the dad did it. And by the dad, I mm-hmm. mean Adora's husband. Yeah. yeah. Because he knows all these girls. He has True. access to them. He's Amma's father. Mm-hmm. Um, Amma's still alive and unharmed. Why? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, you why know, not her? Why not her? Maybe because exactly. she's not a tomboy. I feel like a tomboy mm-hmm. is like a requirement. She kind of is, though, outside of her, in her civvies. In her civvies. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm really starting to question if he has rage towards these girls that yeah. his wife has taken under her wing, quote-unquote, as she says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's taking it out on them by reclaiming his power. Yes. Yeah. I wrote I, I wrote like down it. Alan in all caps. <laughs> I was like Alan <laughs> and that poop is going down next week at Calhoun Day. Yeah. She it's didn't use the word so poop. Good. It was much more colorful. Yes. I don't know if we could say crap. That. No. We <laughs> can every once in a while. If it's crap a quote. Been, yeah, crap. Than poop. Yes. <laughs> Poopish. Yes. Um, but anyways, I'm yeah. excited to see. I, I don't think it's gonna go well. 
Yeah, I think Calhoun Day is going to, everybody's bubbling, and I feel like something major is going to, like, happen. I don't know if somebody's going to maybe do, like, a like a punk play on something or a fake crime yeah, or, like, a fake I out. I don't know if some people are just going to be messing gonna around. Someone's going to get hurt. People are going to get hurt. When the preview, yeah, it like looked the like Emma was running away, like, in a huff. Yeah. From mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah. She got rejected by that teacher. Oh, yeah. Mr. Lacey. <laughs> well, I wonder if we're going to see more of Mr. Lacey. I or think maybe that, she got what she wanted. Yeah, maybe she did. But I think it's just going to be revealed. I mean, and the way The Big Little Lies also kind of did this, it's like once we get to this point, it's like we start figuring a few more things out. Yes. And then we get the satisfaction that Carolina was talking about that I think we're going to get a lot of payoff. So I think the payoff is coming at Calhoun Day. And I'm excited just to know what the heck Calhoun Day is. So I'm really excited about that. Mm -hmm. So everybody, that is our show. Ladies, where can we find you on social media? Well, I'm Carolina Benetti. You guys can find me at Carolina Benetti on Twitter or LenaBean113 on Instagram. And I'm Heather Geisler. And you can find me at 500 Days of Heather on Instagram. And you guys can find me on Twitter at LesliePowers15 and on Instagram at LMPowers15. As always, thank you so much for watching. Please go and subscribe. Keep the live chat going. We love reading your comments after. Go on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. We will see you next time, next Sunday at 8 o'clock for Episode 5 of Sharp Objects. Thank you guys for watching. Bye, everybody. See ya. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. After Buzz TV.